Experiment Nation, I have a special gift for you. If you're in the Airbnb space or if you're thinking of getting into the Airbnb space, you're an operator with multiple units, your first unit, your hundredth unit, just about to get into Airbnb, you are going to want to get this blueprint that I put together for you. Now, I want to give context of how this was put together because sometimes people assemble these uh, ideas and top 10 lists, top five, top this, and it doesn't have any true valued vetted content. What I've done is I've surrounded myself by the best top short-term rental Airbnb operators in the world. I co-authored a best-selling book with them called Hospitable Host. I've had them on my platform and interviewed them to get the questions that you guys want to learn the most from into the episode to show the real estate experiment, as you know. And I've also paid tens and thousands of dollars to be sitting in the room to get these notable insights that we implement ourselves as short-term rental operators. I'm a short-term rental specialist. I'm licensed to do it in their respective markets. You know, we build ours in Georgia. We have a management company ourselves. We're Airbnb super hosts. So we not only talk to talk, but we walk to walk, but we still consistently surround ourselves with the best in the space to get us further ahead. And this is what we've put together an Airbnb millionaire blueprint where you don't just hear it from me. You hear it and it's an aggregate list. It's 21 pillars from short-term rental operators worldwide who've implemented this and it's worked and this is the exact same way we've been able to get results and get the same results from implementing these insights that i've pulled from multiple faces right some people have tons of arbitrage units like tj tajani some like bill faith have just a few some like michael shogun has boutique hotels they've scaled and whether you have one unit 10 units or 100 unit or about to get into your first unit you're going to want to have this blueprint that you can utilize you universally wherever you are in the world want to get this i put together we took a lot of time to put this together this year after all that we've been implementing in our lab for you to have a guide that you can leverage right that you can use and and, and implement we've also given and tagged everybody that we've featured in and giving them credit so you know where the source is coming from and you can check out their instagram you can see that there are vetted individuals that we not only work with and trust but learn from because sometimes you get a lot of different information and i want to make sure i give that credit where you can find out that person and we've also if they've been on our show we've also linked the episode within this free blueprint it's the airbnb millionaire blueprint want to make sure you go to experiment realestate.com once you get there you'll see the pop-up that says i have something for you just scroll down enter your name enter your email and we'll get it right sent to you don't want to sleep on this we've been putting these together for quite some time and i know that it will serve you regardless of where you are in your journey to have an airbnb millionaire blueprint that has been collectively vetted and has been sourced from operators who are operating at a high scale experimentation you're welcome make sure to go to experimentrealestate.com and get your airbnb millionaire blueprint so that you can also scale to the level of experiment that these practitioners like ourselves have done just for you experimentation we'll see you on the other side Who's this? Oh, you're an entrepreneur? Oh, you're a real estate investor. Oh, you're trying to learn from those who did it. Well, come into the lab then. Put your white coat on, gloves on, notepad, 
and let's build, y'all. Well, why don't we just welcome to you to the lab then, um, Sarah. Welcome to the lab here. We have Sarah D. Weaver in the lab with us and the special, 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 special guest because we've been geeking out on midterm rentals recently ourselves, right? You guys know coming to the lab currently not in the studio or else you would see experiment fail learn repeat uh, what you guys know is our flavor we got to take experiments and we sarah is um interesting in the sense that she's also a well at least a licensed agent who said you know what i'm not going to just focus on selling homes i'm actually going to coach and then i'm actually going to start investing and yeah i kind of like the freedom thing too and i'm going to break into this thing where i have furnished rentals and i'm going to do some midterm rentals and i'm going to kind of throw a little spin on that which we've talked about offline already and you know what i'm just such a badass that i'm also going to publish a book about it did i did i get everything what else what else did i miss oh oh you do you did or i don't know if you're still actively you traveled to like like what 44 different countries yeah, I've been to 46 countries on six continents. Oh and now my company, Invested Adventures, invites real estate investors on epic adventures around the world. I love that, by the way. As a fun fact, I don't know if you knew this, uh, and I don't have it in here, Invested Adventures. So <laughs> I've coined that term invested in front of like two brands now. So we have my agency, Invested Talent. And then we have the one invested escapes, which does our thing. And I kind of want to create like an invested group. So the fact that you said invested, I just, it's such a strong brand name that I co-sign and I love invested adventures. That's such a good brand name. Thank so good you. For you. Wow. Talk to me. So how did you, where did this even begin from? We talked about your, your background, you know, and your family, you know, since what, 15, I don't know what the math was, something <laughs> crazy, but is there anyone in the fam doing real estate well or did you catch the bug was it a book was it a podcast like where did this how did sarah get into this yes so i come from a long line of entrepreneurs my mom is an entrepreneur she owns a cleaning business my grandparents are farmers and then my dad has always worked in construction so between my mom cleaning houses and my dad building houses i grew up on job sites and so there was never a moment where someone said, Sarah, you should sell or invest in real estate. But I realized now through reflection that it was a little bit of osmosis. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that crazy? Because it, it's, it, it's, it's what you learn when you're around. That's why you talk about like people talk about getting mentors and or listening to these kind of podcasts is kind of like changing that environment and then kind of picking things up from that environment, isn't it? Mm -hmm. hmm. Exactly. So you're here now today with tons of units and you're also coaching, etc. What was that like first? Because I always like the level set for someone who's listening, who's like, okay, like, what does the beginning sound like? Because I feel like, you know, we get caught up even and myself, I try to to focus on the process more, not so much like the the outcome, because I think that can mm -hmm. be overwhelming. Sometimes people look at it and like, okay, like that's cool, but she's Sarah. So what did it look like for in the beginning of the Sarah in the beginning, like the first unit maybe? Or, and I'll add a second question to that: Was it the agent side of the business that came first, or was it the investing side of the business that came first? Which one? 
Yeah. So it was the agent side of the business that came first. And I was an agent in Austin, Texas for what I like to joke about five minutes because I realized really early on that I just love traveling and that traveling was always going to be my true and only love so far. <laughs> and, and then again, kind of through conversations, a little bit of osmosis, I realized through that experience of being an agent that I was friends with investors. We never talked about it. I didn't really know, but I was friends with someone that was doing the live in flip strategy. So Michelle is her name. She's absolutely amazing. And she would buy a house, live in a construction zone with her two kids, and mm. then either sell it or turn it into a rental and then do it again and again and again. And then she also benefited from appreciation living in Austin. And so I saw her do that, but it still took me years until I got my first property. And so between that experience, reading, of course, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but another book mm -hmm. that I think not enough real estate investors commit to reading, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. That book shaped my life. I got the best compliment from a man in his like mid-50s. He goes, huh, your life... You sound like that guy, the four hour guy. And I was like, you think my life sounds like Tim Ferriss? And I was That's like, you have no idea what that means to me. Because for me, that book was like, that was my life changing book that I read. Yeah. So, and I love that book too. Like Tim's, Tim's the goat. Uh, I think the, the other one, I think that was geeking out on was the tools of Titans. If you read that, like an encyclopedia, it's, um, it's unbelievable. He's been, he's been doing it for, for such a long time. Um, what was the, I'm trying to connect the dots though. You said when I think of being an agent, I don't necessarily think about the four hour work week. Right. So how did you, what was the stepping stone and how did you connect the dots? Because, and, and I say that to say this, like I have a license, but I'm not doing agent work. So, yeah. uh, just, you know, cause I've experimented that experimentation knows that you guys can check my posts, like doing open houses and like knocking on doors and all, like, I've done that. And I'm like, this ain't it. However, I had to experience experiment with it. You, when you think of the four hour work week or at the time when you had digested that book, was the agent the, the lowest hanging fruit or was that just what you were already doing? Like, how did you yeah. transition from what you read into a, uh, and apply it to your life? No, I think for me, being an agent was a, a small part of the pie. So I was an agent and then I quickly transitioned back into a W-2. So I took a job in the real estate industry that allowed me to work remotely. So that was key is, and that's what I took from the four hour work week is that I needed a job where I could work from anywhere. Yeah. And I read that in your book and I can relate with it because that's, that's specifically what I've picked over time too, as a, you know, I'm a, you guys know I'm consulting. That's, that's my background. And, you know, you can either do it on site or you could do it remotely. And I honestly think, especially now with the pandemic, we've seen this, Sarah, that it might be the probably one of the biggest hacks that we don't talk about enough is start with where you work, right? And in a, if you can do that, um, then it's it's really important for you to be able to, you know, first start with, hey, how do I make my day to day living, right? And then once you're able to do that and say, hey, can it be, you know, location uh independent of any location i think that's the first thing because i think it'll also yeah. allows you to also maybe do some side hustles and double dip 
on the job. I don't know, but I think that's a hack that we don't talk about enough, like job hacking, isn't yes. it? Absolutely. And actually Sarah King, who's nerds guide to FI on Instagram, she does mm -hmm. a really good job talking about this. She jumps from job to job because that's where you get your salary increase. And mm -hmm. so that's something that she's doing. Whereas Sarah King, Sarah King, okay. and her Instagram is nerds guide to FI. She is a self-proclaimed nerd, she says. So um, she's a very cute nerd. Uh, I was like, nerds didn't look like that when I went to school, but okay. Um, <laughs> mm, that's hilarious. So I, um, you also asked about, about kind of my journey from into real estate. So it wasn't until I had that first property under contract that I even started seeing myself as a real estate investor. And mm. once that property... Once I had that property on a contract, I think a lot of people were congratulating me like, oh, you bought a home. I was like, no. I was like, this is an investment property. Get and on. I remember like I kept saying we're staging it. And they're like, Sarah, you're living in the house. That's called decorating. And so I was constantly like in the mindset as an investor from the very beginning. And so that's something that I encourage your listeners to do is even before you have something under contract, start thinking of yourself as an investor, introducing yourself as an investor, and the rest will follow. But it's crazy how like two things can be the same, but it's like how you look at them are very different, right? Like, well, and it changed, it changed everything. I mean, I would have bought a different house if it was a house I was going to live in. I would have mm. renovated at a different level if it was a house that I was going to live in. But because I knew it was an investment property, I said, no, we're not going to put in those countertops or no, we're not going to do this or that. Yeah. You said it took you, what, three years or something? Is that, is that what you said from the time of, of working with Michelle? Yeah. So I met her in 2015 and then mm. I would have bought my first property. Yeah. The end of 2017, then 2018, I peaced out and I went abroad and I spent most of that year in Europe and South America. Then in January, 2019, I bought a one-way ticket to Argentina and I was traveling full-time and I've been traveling full-time ever since. And so having a large portfolio was never the goal. The goal was to have my lifestyle paid for. And my lifestyle in 2018 didn't cost very much. <laughs> and so mm. like having $800 of cash flow a month plus an actual salaried position, that was plenty of money. It wasn't until I realized the power of being able to leverage the U.S. mortgage system that I was like, oh, I should buy a lot of these. <laughs> oh, okay. I want to get into that. Uh, but before I do, the first one that you bought, because I know you you said you know it wasn't until it took me three years, et cetera, or two years perhaps. Um, do you think was it a matter of what what made you what, what the timeline? Could it have been shorter? Uh and oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Great question. Feel that, I think yeah. I think that I I Again, I call it like through osmosis because it's not like the moment I met that woman, Michelle, that I realized, oh, I should be a real estate investor. Right. I don't think I was determined to be a real estate investor until June of 2019. And um, no, sorry, my math is wrong. June of 2017. That's when I bought my first property. June of 20, I, I bought in November of 17. 
And, um, and I think what it was is it was a breakup. I was dating someone and I realized that I was following him and his job around the country. Mm. And when we broke up, it was like, okay, let's take inventory of what do I want my life to look like? And I knew exactly what I wanted. I wanted to own rental property and I wanted to travel. Yeah. And did you know that your mindset, it was that rental property to fund that lifestyle? Yeah. I think I knew that. Mm. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, so when you finance that first deal, and, and the reason I'm, I'm just harping on first deal, I just want to understand the trajectory. I think it's yeah. helpful for people because they hear like 15 plus units and they're like, oh my gosh. So that first deal, was it just from the W-2 income? And like, how did you finance it? And then I want to get into that the mortgage uh, hacking system. But, but tell me yeah. about the first deal. Yep. It was $217,000. I needed 3% down because I used a, an owner-occupied conventional loan product called the Home Ready Program. So it's not FHA. It was called Home Ready, and it's 3% down. So that first house only cost me like $7,000 down. Wow. And uh, you, you, you weren't an agent at the time, were you? I was, but not licensed in that state. So yeah. I did not use my yeah, That's one thing we talked about offline too, that we don't realize that if you're buying in that, if you are licensed in that state too, can you imagine, I mean, the 3% commission that you get too, it's, it's not that $7,000 down is not a good enough deal, but that's great to know, like just that it's out there. Yeah. That's nuts. So you do that. And then um, I want to hear about the, what you realized about kind of like how the system works. Cause at that point, were you living in it? Were you living on one side and renting out the other? Like were you house hacking by the room? What were you doing? So it was a, it was a single family. I lived in the smallest bedroom and I rented out the other bedrooms, including the master and the garage. Um, I, I, you know, I milked that for all it was worth. And then I spent most of that year traveling. That's great. And then, so you come back and you know, you're like in 20, was it in 2019 or so? How do you then start doubling down on this? Like, what does that look like in your head? Yeah, it that wasn't the goal. The goal was 2019 was I want to move to Argentina. Um, so go Argentina. They just won the World Cup this week. And oh, this is a very, very sensitive topic now. I am French. Uh, oh yeah, sorry, I <laughs> forgot you were born in France. <laughs> But yes, congrats uh, to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is a really good way to never get invited back on a podcast. <laughs> no, it's not completely okay. Just great, hell of a game, by the way. It was a great but, game. So you, go to, you want to go to Argentina. So I wanted to go to Argentina and that's all I needed. Like I was so happy. I bought a one-way ticket. I was taking Spanish classes on Friday nights at a bar. I was single. I was having the time of my life. And I was working full-time. I had a job working for an American company um, Monday through Friday, eight to five, like living a normal life Monday through Friday. And then I always joke that my Tuesdays were better than some people's vacations. And so real estate investing, I was so proud of that property. That first property, what I didn't mention is I took it down to the studs, the entire second floor, and I rebuilt it with my dad. And I put a lot of sweat equity into that house. And I'm so proud of that property. And I'm also equally proud of the like experiences that I had that first year of traveling full-time because that was my goal. My goal was to travel full-time. 
and be truly location independent. I went to Carnival in Rio. I moved to a beach town in Brazil. I spent a few weeks learning Spanish in Guatemala. I mean, I did so many fun things that year. And in the process, I was like, oh, I think I'm making enough money. I bet I could own another property. And again, I didn't know what I know now that I I could have bought a property like right away, <laughs> but I just didn't know. And so I started talk- conversations with my mortgage lender that summer. Actually, I remember talking to him in Antigua, Guatemala. And he's like, well, yeah, of course you qualify. I was like, really? I was like, how much do I qualify for? And I was only making like $55,000, which was plenty to be living a good life in Brazil and Guatemala. But I was shocked that I could buy another property. I remember being surprised by that. And And this is in the U.S., right, Sarah? Correct. Always, but I've always bought in the U.S. And And so so when you say that, yeah, when you say that, I just want to add to that Mm -hmm. because you keep on mentioning it. And I think it's really important for us to understand. So you're saying that you didn't realize how soon you could buy. Um, Is it because you felt that you had just bought another one that you felt like you needed to wait? Like, just I want to be clear on. Yeah, I think there's a lot of misconceptions. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of misconceptions around mortgages that, you know, you're only allowed to buy so many in a year or as you get more experience that you're like, oh, my debt to income ratio is going to be so hurt by buying this rental property. Well, not when you buy great rental properties. I buy incredible cash flowing properties that eventually don't even count as debt because I'm making so much money from rent. And so my lender was like, yeah, girl, buy another one. And so I bought another one um, in November of that year. I, again, I got very serious about buying in June of that year. That's where I, I, I got confused with the date. So June of 2019, I owned one single family and I was ready to buy a second. And mm-hmm. I had my crystal clear criteria. I knew I wanted to buy in Kansas City again, um, but this time probably on the Missouri side. And I wanted to buy a multifamily. So wanted to buy a duplex, triplex, or fourplex so that I could live in one unit, rent out the others. Yeah. And it didn't, I didn't find one that worked where the numbers worked until November of that year. And I bought it sight unseen. And then um you need to occupy a property that you're going to own or occupy within 60 days. And so I thought, sweet, I'm going to go on one last trip before I occupy the property. And then COVID hit. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Jeez, this is fast into COVID. So did you, did you get stuck in overseas or was it? Happily, <gasps> happily stuck. <laughs> Oh, but you also had closed on the property. Yes, had closed on the property in November 2019. Yeah, that's so interesting. So <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. But I want to I want to highlight what you're saying because I you're so experienced now that it might just go over some people's heads. But I think what you're highlighting here, Sarah, is that um, really understanding the rules around mortgages and and the misconception that there is because from what i understand it sounds like you're doing primary residence and then which is completely kosher and then you're saying i'm gonna i'm gonna live here and then i'm also gonna room hack but then i'm also gonna travel uh, rightfully so did i get that correctly mm-hmm. right so then you have that primary residence you get your mail there just like anyone who's on vacation who's remote who's just traveling the world then it's like um for our listeners 
Um, and again, you're not a mortgage lender. You're, you know, you're, we're just here kind of sharing experiences, but again, you're kind of highlighting the, the, or planting the seed so that we can educate ourselves further. So are you saying, what is that time? Should I be waiting like a month, uh, a month, a year, six months? What's typical that you've seen? Cause you've done this a few times now. Yeah. So the, the way that it's written is that you intend to live there for a year. And so when people ask me if I were to do it all over again, what would I do differently? And I would have house hacked every six months because you can convince your lender that you don't like your house and you want to move every six months. Yeah. And Eventually that will end, <laughs> but that's what yeah, I wish I had but, done. <laughs> yeah. And they'll just ask you for a written statement and then they just take it. They're not yeah. like inquisitive they're just like yeah just put the written statement that you're trying to either increase the property size or you're trying to downsize or you're trying to move to a better school that's all they're asking you to do for paper trail for you know so that everything is covered right but they're yeah. not they know because we're going through it right now as well right it's kind of like you know it can be even in the same city yeah right? and you can say it can be hey, in the same yeah. neighborhood i know it's, an investor who did well. it in the same neighborhood i was like no way no yeah. i thought that was bizarre but no it worked i think what's really important is that we point out that i really did live in these properties mm -hmm. because it's not like i said i was living in kansas city but then i kept a cool apartment in denver like mm -hmm. no i really did move into these properties and then i travel all the time yeah yeah, rightfully so, which is what we do as well. And and like when you explain that your lender, they you just need to be transparent and, and we're not, you know, mortgage fraud is a very serious thing. And so you really oh, want to be as, sure. as, yeah, it's, a, it's actually a federal crime, I'm pretty sure. But what we're saying is to educate yourself on what is actually uh, allowed and you are allowed to have multiple, uh, I shouldn't say multiple primary residence, but you can move around. Uh, as you please, as long as you're receiving mail there, etc. And that is that is the ultimate uh, way to hack because rules, the rules are there for you to leverage them. So I love that. And I, we don't talk about it enough. That's why I, I really wanted to highlight that because it might go over someone's head like, oh, like primary residence. Sure. But no, no, we're saying like, use that to your advantage because you, you can put down a certain amount and you can um, there's perks. There's multiple perks involved that you should be leveraging because they're there yeah. for you to leverage. And, right? and I have a fantastic agent i mean a lender who i would love to introduce people to so at the end we'll make sure that everyone has my contact information but if you're looking for a lender that gets it please reach out to me i'd love to introduce you oh i love that connection the plug okay cool so you come back from or maybe you don't come back from the <laughs> pandemic where did you get stuck i'm curious where were you stuck at? i would love to be stuck oh my gosh i'm an island sorry where were yeah, you? man. Um, it was amazing. I was living in well, living. I never know how to use that verb, but I was in um Bali, Indonesia. Oh my gosh. And then when things got really tough with COVID, I made the really difficult decision to leave Bali and fly to New Zealand. And I bought Why a was one that difficult. Bali's a tropical paradise it's like a digital mm. nomad hotspot everyone's a instagram model and it's beautiful and the yeah. weather's fantastic and in march you're headed into winter in new zealand and so oh, um new zealand is that. still amazing do not get me wrong yeah. new zealand's yeah. paradise but in a different way I didn't um, realize it got cold out there. Is that am I ignorant for thinking that? Oh, it's super cold. If you look on the globe, I think what happens is if I? you just look at a flat map, you yeah. don't think about it. But if you look at like the curvature of the earth, New uh -huh. Zealand's like really far down there. 
Oh no, chill. No, no, no. And so it's super, super cold. Um, and yeah, so I moved to New Zealand and bought a one-way ticket. I got in four days before they shut their borders to the entire world. And why'd you pick New Zealand? Great government. Uh, I know Mm -hmm. I'm going to get a lot of slack for that. People are going to call me a socialist. I'm not a socialist. I'm clearly a Democrat. Um, You're allowed to be what you want, girl. You don't need it. You don't owe anybody an explanation. Talk to them. (laughs) But I trusted their government during a pandemic. Uh Uh, And it's a Pacific Island. Like, who better to hide from, like, World War III or, like, a a deadly disease than a tiny little island? I mean, it was was brilliant on my part. Didn't they? They did Didn't great. They, they did. Yeah, they were thriving during that. Yeah. And um, I was like, they're going to have a good healthcare system. Should there be an outbreak, et cetera? Like smart, I had like smart. followed like SARS and all of that when I was a backpacker. And so I knew to like make a good decision when it comes to like my health. Yeah. How do you how do you make decisions? You, you strike me. Honestly, when I think about it now, like with all our resources that we have in this world, I think it's a matter of making great decisions. Do you use like mm. a framework of any kind, like not to get fancy, like maybe you don't, but like, how do you make decisions? Like, is it, because it seems to me that you're making all these smart decisions that are also not like ridiculous. Like you don't make it complicated, but you're making these strategic decisions along the way. Like, do you yeah, have any, man, I really think? appreciate you for noticing that. I, I do. I'm very intentional. Mm. Like if I send a text and don't get me wrong. I mean, sometimes I'm a doofus as well, but, but oftentimes if I send a text message, it is strategic and intentional. If I make an email introduction between two people, it's intentional. If Mm. I visit a country, it's with intention. Like I, yeah, I'm very intentional with a lot of the things that I do. Um, so when it comes to decision-making, that's a very good question. I have a really clear vision of what I want my life to look like. Very clear. So that decision to go to New Zealand, um, well, first I wrote it in my journal. Um, I was like, what country, I think I wrote best countries to be stuck in for a pandemic and possibly World War Three, because Trump and Kim Jong-un were like fighting at this time. I so it literally was a list. It was New Zealand, Singapore, Australia. And it was also where I was. I was in Malaysia that weekend. And so, yeah, everything I, I, I write in my journal a lot. And, and it's funny because I'm also a verbal communicator. So I immediately picked up the phone and I called. I remember exactly who I called. I called three of my friends who, are, who live abroad. Um, are, are like expatriates. And so I called them. I'm like, what are you doing? What should we do? What do you think? And um, and I listen to what they're saying, but I also pay attention to how I react to it. So who would later become my business partner? Her name's Kendra. We own Aria Design Services together. We furnish Airbnbs for investors. She was an American that I met in Bali and she was in Australia. No and way. she was, and she and she was describing Australia to me, and I was just like, I don't, I don't think that's. I had been to Australia before, um, and she was like describing how she was feeling and what she was feeling, and I was like, no, I was like, I don't know why, but I want to buy a van and I want to drive around New Zealand and go hiking, and so that's what I did, and then when it was freezing, I regretted that decision. I wish I had gone to Kendra and hang, hung out at the beach. <laughs> 
but but all jokes aside i'm so glad i went to new zealand like it was perfect for where i was in my life i had always wanted to own a van i probably would never buy a van in the us it's too big like you'd have to drive 8 hours to go anywhere cool and it's really dangerous whereas new zealand is wildly safe and the destinations are so stinking close to each other like 45 minutes from like epic waterfall to epic beach to epic mountain and so it's probably one of the one of the few countries that I would love being a solo female van lifer and I was like let's just do it I'm like this would be cool <laughs> it, it's just it's so fascinating to kind of hear you speak because it's as you're speaking, I can see how you're thinking. You're literally saying how in the U.S. it would be an eight-hour drive. Like, you've already done the math, and you already, <laughs> like, where my mind isn't even going there, you've already kind of calculated that, and then you still said it as a female. Like, you're kind of, like, from a risk management, opportunity cost, like, you, I, I could see it, and it's really it's really fascinating. I commend you for that. Like, that's that's real. I do pick up on these things. So so good for you for doing that. And um, I think, thank you for highlighting how clear you need to be because, um we said it, I, I think I, I, I opened the, the, the statement by saying this, it's, there's so much information out there and so much content that I do believe that decision-making is like top, like one of the most things, because it's like, there are, it's not, a, it's, it's not, if it works, it's, it's, if you can make anything work, but will you make, will you be a clear on your vision on what you want? And then will you be clear on going after what you want and make that decision and being intentional in the decision that you make. And does it tie back to the lifestyle that you want to live based on the vision that you wrote down? Like that can seem overwhelming, but that is so like, you need to be super clear because, you know, if you turn on Instagram or YouTube or this podcast app, there's going to be someone teaching you how to make a living with storage. There's going to be one who teaches you how to make money as an influencer. There's going to be one that teaches you how to, you know, Tune in to Sarah. She'll show you how to deal with the midterm stays, right? The 30 day stay, which we haven't gotten to, which I'm excited about, or like life hacking, right? You talked about the nerd, like job hacking, like what is it that you want? How does it look like? And how are you going to get there? And I appreciate you highlighting that because it's not by chance that you've been able to really kind of, you know, really get to where you want to get to how you want to and quickly. Well, and I think, Ruben, what happens is that a lot of times we are used to people telling us what our lives are supposed to look like. Yeah. Like you're supposed to marry your girlfriend after you date for a certain amount of years. And then you're supposed to buy a bigger house when you get a job offer or whatever it is like that you're supposed to do. I really encourage people like, what do you want your life to look like? And then like go after it relentlessly. Um, I recently had someone tell me that they were really impressed that like I just jump like they're the kind of person that they like dip their toe in they test the water mm -hmm. then they test the water again then they test the water a second time whereas the, I'm the person that just like runs and jumps and mm -hmm. and I, I agree with that and I want everyone to know that like I'm still scared like as I'm running like I've made the decision I'm jumping but I'm still scared the whole time yeah. <laughs> so it's not like I'm I have this like innate bravery um, that other people are lacking. I'm still scared and I make the decision to jump. Love that. So that's such a good segue with, you know, 
kind of the theme we've been on and i love that you said that right like you need to highlight that there's real fear involved it's not just like oh like sarah's got it no like sarah's human and she has fears but she acts on them and she's intentional uh so one thing is you talked about and one of the things i like to focus on is okay don't tell me what to think tell me how to think right Mm. and one of the things that you've done is you recently co-authored a book that I'm geeking out about and I'm so sorry I don't have it in the lab here with me because I'm not in my studio but I've been you guys know just at my page the real estate experiment I've been geeking out about 30 day stay I've been highlighting you in my story etc because it's you know it's it's a very strategic approach uh and specifically with if you're a short-term rental you have furnished accommodations there's ways that you can um pretty much serve um people um in need um and so when going back to the point of teaching us how to think, how should we think about this sub niche industry, right? That exists. Uh, and I think we can break this onto so many buckets, but like, if I'm listening to this, you showed us how to invest. Okay. The primary home house hacking. Great. Helps me scale, build a relationship with my lender. Fantastic. But then there's that next step. Like, what do I do? And it's not so much. What do I do? But how do, how should I think about what I do with a property that I can furnish and where are the opportunities? Yeah. I think what you need to decide as investors is, am I willing to furnish a property or hire someone to furnish a property? And then do I want to have a furnished rental in my portfolio? So there's a lot of real estate investors out there that would be better served by continuing to have long-term rentals or even skip rentals altogether and invest in syndications. I was I, not one of those investors. I wanted why? as much I wanted as much cash flow as possible so that I could quit my job. So for me, long-term rentals weren't going to get me to my goal fast enough. And then syndications, I just I didn't have $50,000 to just sit and wait 5 years. Um I needed that $50,000 to give me four rental properties that were going to produce $7,000 a month in cash flow, and that's exactly what I did. Mm. Love that. And it that reminds me of we had a shout out to Micah Elefante. He's been in the lab here with us a few times. Um, talk about don't start, don't, don't, don't ask, you know, how I should start. Look at where you are and then start from there. And I think that makes sense, right? It's like, you know, yeah, you want to be a multifamily syndicator, but are you an accredited investor yet? Okay, if you're not, okay, how are you gonna get there? Like reverse engineer, right? And you can be very strategic about it. So now as you reverse engineer that, can you tell us about like what that midterm rental is? Because I think we've heard short-term rentals. I've had multiple guests talk about short-term rentals in our lab, but what's what's a midterm rental and why? Again, I think you've talked about it and you hinted it with the cash flow, but what is midterm rentals and why should I consider it if I have never done it before? And I may be a short-term rental investor operator that's listening as well. Yeah, absolutely. So medium-term rentals means that it's a furnished rental, like a short-term rental, but your guests are staying 30 days or more. So for me, it was increased cash flow, like a short-term rental. But I'm in the jungle in Guatemala. I can't be checking someone in every two days or coordinating with cleaners or oh, this guest broke this salt shaker. Now I have to order another salt shaker. I don't have time for that. I want tenants who stay for three months so that I can get two and a half months of peace every time I check in a new guest. 
And so I opted for the medium-term rental space. I like the increased cash flow compared to long-term rentals, and I love the less turnovers than short-term rentals. Mm. The occupancy, I don't know if you talked about that. That's like, you're 100% occupied for like three months. Now, mm-hmm. I love how you said two months and a half, because one of the things I want to ask you is like, what should I be doing? Around that two and a half month mark, do I just sit back down and just relax? Or am I, what am I doing to assure that I can get another three months again? That's one thing that I think is that almost the, uh, the, the thing not talked about, you know, when we, we hear it, sexy midterm rentals, phenomenal, but what work needs to happen during that two month period when you are booked? Yep. So you, about 45 days before their lease is up, I check in with the guests, ask them, Hey, how are things going? Are you liking the unit? What's going on? Okay. Then a few days later, I'm asking them, do you want to extend? And in 2021, 47% of my tenants extended to six months. Wow. Yeah, that felt really good. Um, This year, it it has gone (laughs) down. Um, I've had more non-travel nurses. And so they're not, they don't don't need to extend because they're not extending their nursing contract. Um, But it's really nice when they do. Then um, if they don't want to extend or they don't need to, then that's about two to three weeks before move out is when I am trying to secure my next guest. And I'm doing that by messaging leads on Furnish Finder, updating my listing, uh, maybe playing around with pricing on Airbnb, but really just making my listing more visible. Got it. Now we talked about this a little offline as well, but as far as Furnish Finder goes, is that your main source? Is there any other things that we should be looking at that we're not looking at or within the Furnish Finder? Is there layers or sub niches that we need to be focused on? What, what can you tell us about that? I have my units listed on Airbnb and Furnish Finder only. Um, I am interested in getting into some of the insurance claims and working with those. However, my units are all one ones. And Mm -hmm. so there's not going to be as much demand in the insurance space for a one bedroom, one bath. Um, I'm really popular with travel nurses, internships, seasonal workers. It is the perfect size for one to two people. Got it. Now, are you doing anything when you're fully, let's say, 100% booked, which I'm sure you are at most times? What is happening on the back end? Is there, should I, should, are you fostering new relationships at all? Do you need to, or are you just working, uh, relying on, again, the demand? There's most, there's a lot of demand on Furnish Finder. I know that that's for sure. I've used it, but is that the main thing you're focused on right now and, and, uh, uh, to operate your business? Yep. When I first started, like when I first listed, I was eager. I was excited at all this energy. I was reaching out to a bunch of travel nurse recruiters. Um, They got sick of me because anytime they reached out to me, I said, sorry, I'm occupied. Sorry, I'm occupied. Sorry, I'm occupied. And so frankly, I'm just fully occupied off of Furnish Finder and Airbnb. Yeah. And there's a, there's a really cool, neat thing where you can actually see the leads, right? As they're inquiring about a specific area. Exactly. Um, You have matched leads and unmatched leads. And so you can reach out to all of them. Very interesting. Um, what is, what is, I know you're very intentional and, and again, I would encourage everyone to tap into a uh, 30 day stay. Um, you know, you're the, the co-author of that book and, and again, lots of information on there and even how to acquire, et cetera, and find the location. So I, I would geek out on that. But as far as like, you know, when you think thinking what's next for you, uh, you've already gotten to a point where you have multiple units, you have uh, Aria designs, which shout out to that. Um, love that you're doing that right. The furnishing. Um, 
what what is the next step do you think kind of going into 2023 as you kind of see your entire empire come together and the travels and 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 the coaching and etc what's next for you Absolutely. So my mentorship program is serving around 40 investors and they are my number one priority, making sure that they're getting what they need from me to move the needle forward, whether it be mindset or connections or financing strategies, they're my number one priority. From there, I'm focused on epic adventures. I want to live a really full and exciting life, and that involves inviting real estate investors on epic trips. I'm actually announcing this week um, eight-day African safari, followed by an eight-day Kilimanjaro hike. That is wild. And what what happens there, just so we understand, uh, at these retreats, what happens there? Yeah, you come um, usually with about nine to 11 investors. And you just experience something amazing together. There's no classroom, no presentations. We are just having epic adventures. And then we, Ruben, we can't help ourselves. We're talking about cost segregation and tax strategies. Oh yeah, we can't, we can't help ourselves. But also it's the one opportunity. I mean, your friends are so sick of you talking about it. And so it's the one opportunity where we're going to be in the car for about four hours on one of the days going between national parks, you know, hunting for looking for, I shouldn't say hunting. That's not the right verb looking for, you know, giraffes and rhinos and all these cool things. You're going to be sat next to someone who's probably the net worth of 8 million and owns 50 units. Like, of course, you're going to be talking about real estate because what an opportunity to be in the car with someone who clearly values the same things that you do real estate investing, travel and experiences. Yeah. And then there's something really beautiful that happens that I call the after effect. And you have this experience with someone, you hear their story, you get vulnerable with them, you learn about their goals, and then you stay in touch. And so there's two investors that actually met um, on one of my retreats and now they're doing a burp together. And then their private lender is someone from the group as well. Um, I have another girl who left my event and told her boss she was unhappy. And he gave her Fridays off paid because he didn't want to lose her. I have Uh, someone else that went home and just had a really tough conversation with their spouse. And it's because she said she could finally envision a better version of their life. And she couldn't wait another day. And I just think, wow, like what I'm doing, Ruben, is so much bigger than like doing cool trips. No, no, no. A hundred percent. And honestly, I think there's some magic to being in a different environment as well. Like I know that when I'm in a different environment, like even one that I aspire to be in or when you're traveling, there's just, there's a different energy. I don't know what it is. And, and you do that with great people. I mean, shoot, sign me up. What do I sign up, girl? Talk to me. SarahDWeaver.com <laughs> forward slash trips. Love it. Love it. And listen, um, I know that you got to jump here because it's been, you know, just a wealth of knowledge that you've been able to share with us here, which we truly appreciate. I would tell everyone to go get the book for sure. And then also uh, go to your website because that's uh, you'll see all the amazing verticals that you got going on and all the amazing things that you're doing. And at the same time, I'm going to be staying tuned uh, with, with what you have to offer. Um, but because I mean, that's 
the power of masterminds, the mind, the mindset shifts, the paradigm shifts that have happened with good people. I mean, sign me up. Um, and I experimentation knows I spent, you know, tens and thousands of dollars on just coaching mastermind groups and just trying to elevate and, and unblock. And, and I think if you're listening, that's why you're here. So tap in sarahdweaver.com. And obviously you can see all the wonderful things that you're doing, but you know, what do you have to leave with us? I know you got to jump here. You know, what would you say to someone who's out there, who's listening, who's, you know, looking to kind of go through a similar maybe journey that you went through or even expedite that journey? What, what simple message do you want to leave them here today with Sarah? You are never going to feel ready. So just jump. Boom. It's so funny. As you say that, I'm looking at your website. It has like the parachute of you like skydiving, which is <laughs> amazing. Yeah, so, I love what, right what's it. It's like um, there was a saying I learned when I was in, in my 20s. Uh, why live on the edge if you can jump off of it? <laughs> That's badass. I'm with it. I'm with it. Listen, guys. If you're driving, keep your hands on the wheels. We'll have everything in the show notes. Make sure you check Sarah out and all the socials will be in there as well. She's doing some amazing things in the link to her book. But Sarah, I just want to thank you for stepping into the lab, the true practitioner that you are and sharing your journey from beginning to end. We really appreciate you. And uh, we're right behind all the experiments that you're going to do and the lives that you're going to impact. So appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Just like that, we are out. Experiment Nation podcasting has changed the way we operate as real estate investors ourselves, and it can do the same for you. Podcasting has been the source of the masterclasses that we get thanks to the world-class real estate investors and practitioners and specialists that come into the lab from all realms, from short-term rentals to mid-term rentals to real estate syndications to even software as a service, owners, founders, entrepreneurs, have helped enrich our experiments by giving us the education, helping us build a network, and lastly, and most importantly, a brand association to open up multiple doors for our respective businesses. If you understand the power that podcasting can have, and you know that you need one for your brand, please, you can rely on our team. InvestedTalent.com is my team and the team that helps this podcast, The Real Estate Experiment, become the fruition each and every single week to educate my community, build relationships on the air, and continue to build our brand. If you know that you need to do the same for your brand and you haven't pulled the trigger yet, maybe because you don't know how, our company, InvestedTalent.com, does the end-to-end from the time that you record to the time that it is published to even repurposing content on multiple social media platforms. That's what my team can do for you. Simply go to InvestedTalent.com and book a discovery call to see how my team can help you launch your podcast.